must remember this. A kiss is still a kiss. A sigh is just a sigh. Hello and welcome back to Blind Spots with Jake and Christy. I'm Jake Trapila and joined as always by my co-host, Christy Strauss. Hey Jake, how's it going? Doing pretty well, Christy. How are you? Fantastic. Excellent, yeah. The holidays are upon us, and uh, this is the, of course, the Film Inquiry podcast, wherein uh, we each uh, share a film with each other that uh, the other person has not seen. Usually it's a classic, but sometimes it could not be. And uh, we then watch both movies and talk about them. And uh, since we are doing a uh, holiday month again, we thought that we would have a special themed episode, kind of like what we did with our October episode, if you recall. We watched four films instead of two. Uh, this month, uh, we're taking an even different spin on that, where we're each going to share one film with each other that the other person likes, and then we're going to discuss two films that neither of us have seen before. Uh, so, Christy, why don't you uh, take us through the uh, first film on our slate? Yeah, for sure, and this is definitely uh, our our biggest blind spots, you might say, uh, having two that we haven't both haven't seen. You know, that was taking a chance, but luckily they they, they paid off. But it's anyway, true. yeah, I I, uh, I went in with the blindfold on, and then the films slowly cut the eye holes off of it so I could see, which is the preferred way to uh, yeah. to, to watch a film. Yeah. Um. So. <laughs> Yeah, this is definitely our, uh, you know, trying to be merry episode. So, uh, yeah, the first two we're going over are ones that we're recommending to one another. And so the one I recommended to Jake was Sleepless in Seattle, a movie I was quite shocked that he hadn't seen. It's the classic, you know, romance from Nora Ephron. And while this might not be like screaming holidays, I, I think it has a holiday movie feel and it goes through, it starts off with Christmas and, um, I think it ends up at Valentine's Day. So it's, you know, it's got a holiday feel. But yeah, it's just such a, such a heartwarming film. It, you know, it just, it makes you just feel like, uh, cozying up next to a fire with a, you know, hot cocoa sort of thing. Also crying your eyes out, you know, randomly throughout the film. But anyway, so basically if you haven't seen it, uh, quick little premise. So Tom Hanks is the main character. He loses his wife and he moves to Seattle with his son and, one night, his son calls in a talk radio program, and basically, he Tom Hanks is put on the spot and forced to talk to this woman. Um, and his son is trying to – he wants his father happy. Um, I think he's looking for a new wife, right? Is that it, what it is, or is it just to be happy? I'm trying to remember the exact – yeah, well, it's it's a combination of things. He wants his dad to be happy because he knew he was very happy when he was married. Now he's been a widower for 18 months or so. Mm-hmm. And it's not just that he wants uh, his dad to have a new wife. He wants to have a new mom uh, on his own because, uh, as he says, he's beginning to for- forget memories of his uh, his first mother. Yes. His birth mother. So, yeah, he's trying to trying to get a mother and a wife for his dad. Right. Of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, the whole package. Um, and, you know, Jake just watched this, so I knew he'd be like, bam, know exactly what happened. So anyway, uh, he calls in. <laughs> Tom Hanks is forced to be put on the spot. Uh, and, you know, because his, his son is like watching, he just goes with it. And he just in, in one of the like, I don't know, one of my favorite scenes in a romance, I guess you could say, as far as just like a monologue about love. Um, he talks about his wife and and, you know, kind of where it's left him and on the other side of the country uh, Meg Ryan hears this on the radio coming back from her own like Christmas party with family and uh, her fiance mm-hmm. um, newly and, engaged yes newly Bill engaged. Pullman 
Yes. Yes. Good old Bill. And here's this. And it just, you know, it really shakes her and it has an effect. And she's a reporter. So she decides to basically seek him out. And it kind of tells simultaneous stories of both of them on, on different sides. Um, and, of course, she eventually cracks him down and, and uh, kind of, I mean, it's, it's a little creepy, I guess. But she, you know, <laughs> gets all the information on him and, and uh, figures out who he is and writes him a letter that his son finds. And I, I feel like I'm going to say the whole movie. So I think that's good. That's good. Yeah, that's, that's basically, basically the, the just, the th- that's the thrust of the film is that uh, Tom Hanks is a sad dad, lonely dad. Uh, single dad, and he's trying to uh, he's he's basically trying to find some sort of balance back into his life. Uh, we open he's in Chicago, he's an architect, but he doesn't really feel fulfilled by that. So he kind of up and like takes everything with him, and they go to um, Seattle and they live in a houseboat. Uh, and yeah, as you said, Meg Ryan's on the opposite coast in Baltimore, and she. It just becomes infatuated with this, this, uh, you know, this gentle, sad guy who's just looking for love again, uh, which is a very, we should mention this is, um, written and directed by Nora Ephron, uh, the a patron saint of romantic comedies, I guess you could say. She's got yes. a way with, uh, with, you know, doing romance. Um, and yeah, this is, uh, this is a very sweet, um, very gentle film. Uh, I, I uh, had a, just a very pleasurable time watching it. It doesn't really ask much of the viewer, but, uh, I, it, it had, it's filled with, uh, some nice holiday spirit, uh, mostly in the, in the first half of the film. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting just to kind of look at it as a, as a, this interesting time capsule of the early 90s, because not only is this like Tom Hanks' first foray into something more dramatic, he's normally, a, nominally a comedy actor up until this point, um, but like this cast is ridiculously stacked. Uh, yes. Bill Pullman we mentioned, but it's got uh, Victor Garber, uh, Rita Wilson, Carrie Lowell, who's the Bond girl in License to Kill, plays uh, Tom's uh, deceased wife. Rosie O'Donnell is in this as Meg Ryan's coworker. Rob Reiner's in it. Um, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of '90s names, uh, I guess you could say. <laughs> That's a good way to say it. Yeah, yeah, it's a great cast. And I should also point out, too, when he goes on the radio, it's not just Meg Ryan that hears this, of course. Like, pe- like women across the country are all swooning and sending him letters and stuff. So He, he goes viral, basically. Yes, <laughs> right. The equivalent of that in 93, yes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and for some reason, you know, because you might say fate, uh, you know, however you want to say it, his son Jonah gets Annie's, uh, Meg Ryan's, letter and it stands out to him and he Mm -hmm. corresponds with her um but yeah it's you know and he's trying to i mean he's getting set up and he's kind of like trying to figure out like i think he even says like i don't even know how do you go on dates now like because it's something that he hasn't experienced in a long time and meanwhile meg ryan is dealing with her relationship and bill pullman's you know a perfectly good guy he's one of those you know occasionally in rom-coms where there's the good guy that gets or the good girl that gets screwed really um yeah. Not. I mean, he kind of went. You know. I mean, I'm not gonna go into the end of the film, but I'm just saying, like, they don't. They aren't perfect together. They're just kind of like, you know, just kind of together. I don't. I don't really think that they are really in love he's that much. De- definitely affable. Um, he's mm-hmm. a, uh, his character is a little goofy in that he's just plagued with allergies 
can't really have a, a, a typical romantic uh, getaway together because he's allergic to flowers and he's allergic to nuts. So there's like all these all these stipulations that have kind of been forced on their relationship. But, uh, yeah. you know, he, he means well. With, and, yes. uh, you know, you kind of feel bad going into it knowing that uh, obviously if you're looking at the poster for the film, it's Meg Ryan staring at Tom Hanks in opposite cities. And uh, knowing that she's newly engaged to this this guy who's probably going to be blindsided by the end of the film with this with her feelings for another man, you just kind of help, can't help but feel bad for him. But um, yeah. yeah, it's 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 very it's very sweet how uh, you know the I think the son uh, stuff really works. Um, and a young so, young Gabby Hoffman too. That's right. Yeah, he she's a she's a schoolyard chum of his. Helps him get get on a a, a flight to Baltimore. Um, so it's <laughs> it, it's very fun. But um, yeah, I also enjoy how the son uh, corresponds with Meg Ryan from the point of view of his father. And like of all the things that of all the letters he's read, her stands out because like her interests and likes and desires match perfectly with his. Mm-hmm with Tom Hanks and, but he's convinced it's some crazy person. So he's not, uh, uh, not, not convinced that it'll be worthwhile. And he's, yeah. yeah. Oh, so sorry. Yeah. It's just, I, I thought you were stopping, but it's interesting because a movie, you know, with like this and there are others, they don't have screen time together, you you know? So it's interesting when that happens. And then at the end, it's somehow like, there's a, like already a chemistry, it's it's like how how is that possible? Like it's like an, it, you feel it like it's real, like this could really happen, even though they really don't they have any screen time or correspondence or or anything, you know. So it's it's a really sweet movie, and that's part of the reason I think it's so special. Yeah, there's a great moment uh, too where they they see each other like across like the road from each other, and they got a feeling there's something about that person, but they don't they don't pursue it at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting that the like with most rom coms, you you kind of you have them meet relatively early on, and then they have a relationship together, and things are great, and then things turn bad, and then they break up, and then they realize, oh, I was wrong, I loved you the whole time. And then they usually run uh, through an airport terminal or a bus station or something to get the other person back before they leave, uh, <laughs> and possibly ruin their career. But um. <laughs> But but no, that doesn't happen. They're like literally kept the whole countryside apart for nine, I want to say ninety five percent of the film, which is a very uh, very interesting take. That's not something I would have guessed going into that 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 would happen. Yeah, it's definitely not a common thing, and it, the fact that it works and it pays mm-hmm. off um, really says something. And yeah, there is that one moment where they see each other early on too, but don't speak, and it's just actually when they. <clears throat> when they do finally meet at the end, it's amazing. Like, um, they like aren't even really talking. <laughs> They're just like staring at each other, like knowing, like, wait a minute, yeah. you're him. You know, it's, it's you, you're her. <laughs> like it's a, uh, it's a, it's a great final scene. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very, it's a very, it's a very nice, warm blanket of a film. You know, you, you'll, you'll, you, you basically summed it up perfectly. Like going in just with your, your hot cocoa and your, your Yuletide season. It's uh, just a very, very something to put on and enjoy. Yeah, really. Yeah. I mean, like I said, there's a couple moments that might choke you up, but it's the kind of that you're going to expect from a, a rom- rom- rom-com. It's just how it is, right? Um, yeah. At least a good one, Will. <laughs> For sure, uh, yeah. Nothing nothing cheap or schmaltzy, I guess. 
even though I guess those are sometimes de- like designed specifically to make you cry. Uh, yeah. This is more genuine. This is this will give you a genuine uh, potential cry, but mostly just your heart will just grow three times its size. Yeah. And in fact, some of the best stuff is not even concerned with the the romance, and it's just Tom Hanks talking to his son and yes, uh, and and him and it, they're both trying to process grief. And you know, Hanks has been with his soulmate for like the last twelve years or however long it's been, and he's now feels like he's without purpose. And his son is is much younger, so he's processing it in a different in a different fashion, and he's maybe able to move on differently than than Tom can and uh it's just it's very it's yeah like you said it's very kind of genuine to approach that from from both sides rather than just let the mother be a forgotten figure in their lives because she, her her ghost also uh pops up and visits Tom every now and then um and he has memories of her yeah for sure and actually you know the relationship with him and his son some of those scenes too are so funny um, yeah. I love the dialogue between them, and we all know Tom is, you know, America's tre- America's treasure. So it's not hard to imagine that <laughs> he's quite charismatic in this film. Yeah, um, he's got some funny. good, good, good moments with uh, with Rob Reiner. It's, yeah. uh, it's kind of it's kind of reminded me of um, Bruno Kirby and Billy Crystal and When Harry Met Sally, uh, also starring Meg Ryan. Um, but and uh, directed by Rob Reiner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah. So that's uh that's Sleepless in Seattle. If you haven't seen it, if you're if you were a Jake before today, go out and go out and see it. It's true, my heart grew three times. Yes. That's yeah. that's always the goal. Yes. But then uh the next film on our list uh ripped the heart out of my chest and then proceeded to devour it in front of me. Uh I'm kidding, of course. But uh we're gonna take a plane trip over to the UK and uh, we're going to change gears here and discuss uh, the 2017 film Anna and the Apocalypse. Um, This is a uh, horror Christmas zombie musical. Um, The best way I could describe it is that it's like Shaun of the Dead meets uh, high school musical. It's set on this uh, on this high school on the precipice of their Christmas vacation and uh, zombies attack the town and these this group of teens have to fight their way to safety all through song and dance along the way. Um, yeah, that's a and in the apocalypse's premise. Um, now I we should I should preface I debated whether or not to to do this or not, but um, I had a hard time coming up with a Christmas classic that I had seen that Christy had not seen. Um, and I'm, I wouldn't say that Anna and the Apocalypse is a classic in, by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I know Christy is a fan of horror, and she's actually kind of had it on her list to watch for some time. Uh, so, uh, Christy, let me ask, what did you think of Anna and the Apocalypse? Yeah, um, and yeah, just to kind of go with what you just said, uh, there's not – it's tough to find holiday movies I haven't seen that aren't maybe, like, brand new, you know? Um, yeah. It's just – you know, I always have my routine watches, and there's just very few. So it was it was tough. There was a lot of communication back and forth for a long time. Um, and yeah, Anna and the Apocalypse was a movie that I've had heard. Like I've had a lot of different people suggest that I watch, mm-hmm. and I just didn't really like it. <laughs> yeah, now tell me why that is. <laughs> okay. Um. So you know, I I honestly I, I always thought like 
it's a terrific idea. I mean, yeah. in theory. Um, and I do love, you know, good horror comedy. Uh, I do love zombies. You know, I think they're good people. Um, they're just misunderstood. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, musicals, eh, you know, some, I can take it, leave it sometimes. Um, it's usually about the songs and how often they sing for me that can, disrupt a movie but anyway right. beside the point um so what i didn't like about this movie i you know i've actually been trying to like how i could say this in words that like sum up my feelings but i i knew i didn't like it when i was 40 minutes into it and i didn't really want to watch anymore um and i feel really bad <laughs> saying <laughs> just sounds so horrible um a fair but, assessment but yeah i was just like what is like because i thought it was set up good and i actually do think it takes it home because i think that some of the better parts of it are towards the end but i don't know i just uh it just didn't click for me i just uh didn't love it and it's not even an insult to the songs like some of them are actually kind of just corny um and then some are actually quite smart and it was not even about the performances i even liked it the idea of it being in a school and being like school-age kids um yeah. but yeah I mean, there was one character in particular uh, that I didn't especially love, um, but I don't have to dive into all that, you know. Um, um, well, I'm curious as to who that is, because I think there's one character in this film that I, I think is actually great, and uh, their their performance is what makes it enjoyable. Um, I, don't, I don't know who should say first what, what, who they're thinking of. Um, but uh, let me let me start off by saying that I saw this movie. Uh, I actually saw this in theaters uh, when it came out in L.A., uh, which was a couple of years ago now. Um, I was actually uh, I had an, uh, some uh, prior engagement to go to in the evening, and I was killing time in Hollywood, so I saw this at the ArcLight. Uh, there was about a dozen or so people in the theater. Uh, I had a reasonably good time. Um, it's very corny is a, is a perfect word to describe it. You kind of either get on that wavelength uh, early on or you don't and it becomes interminable. And I can definitely uh, under, uh, see that. Um, and, yeah, rewatching it for this, it, it definitely did not uh, hold up uh, as well as the first time I watched it, which was maybe a three out of five star experience. Um, but I still find some of the songs enjoyable. And uh, the performance I was thinking of is uh, the gal, Steph. With the blonde hair, uh, she's played by Sarah Swire. Um, mm-hmm. She gives a really good, like, sarcastic performance. Uh, I don't know who are you thinking of in the film I was, that? You... I was actually, I think I hear a cat. Um, is, I was, yeah, <laughs> that's my cat. He's he's doing his thing where he runs into the kitchen and screams because he wants to go outside. So just ignore him. I thought maybe he he's, agreed with you. You know, I uh, thought maybe that was like a <laughs> yes, Jake. You're right. Yeah. Um, no, I was thinking of. Uh, Paul Kay's Arthur Savage character, um, which I I guess he's the teacher or the principal or trying to think of his Yeah. Like, I guess he's the assistant principal about to become the principal. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's insufferable. Um, (laughs) Right. I, I, I like it's, it's fine to have a good villain, but like, I, I did not enjoy any of his moments. But there's zombies. There's villains. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I, I, you, you kind of want him to be taken out, like, yeah. right away. Yeah, and, and but, he is But, uh, no. yeah, I, no. I admit, I fast-forwarded through his song the, on the second watch. Um, yeah. so, yeah, he's, yeah. Um, if, if he's listening somehow, we're sorry, Paul, you got this one wrong. Yeah. I um, love you in Game of Thrones. I but... didn't. No, he was in that. I yeah, guess he... It makes sense. 
everybody <laughs> in the UK is in Game of Thrones. Right, pretty much. No, he's actually really, really good in Game of Thrones. Um, he's got a great little like top knot. Anyway, but in this, um, yeah, just it just uh, I felt like you know I'm I'm all for like, and he's plays Thoros of Mir. Uh, in case anyone is here as a GOT fan, but um, I, <laughs> I know you're out there. Um, but yeah, I just I I'm all for someone going like just you know going for it, but mm-hmm. uh. You know, Mr. Savage gets a little bit too uh, too savage for his own good. I guess I don't know. It just goes too off the wall to the point where it becomes grating. So, yeah. But I yeah. actually thought all the teens did a good job. I mean, it, honestly, I wasn't. I didn't think any of their performances were were bad. I just and, and some of the songs were were catchy and were good. And then some were yeah. like, I just feel like I need to be singing while I'm swinging a bat. It's like you don't. Yeah. You don't. I mean, yeah, the the lead actress, Ella Hunt, I think she's very winsome and is a good lead in this. Uh, even, like, the guy who plays the bully, um, he kind of, you kind of come around to him a bit. Um, but, uh, but yeah, for me, it's all about uh, Sarah Swire as Steph. I mean, I, I know her name for a reason. She's going to be a megastar. Mark my words. Um, she's, what, what, any, any thoughts about her performance or her... She's kind of got like if you just watch her in the background, she's got like just these great looks and reactions. Yeah, she know. does. Yeah. Uh, no, she's I thought really that good. too. And she was also from, someone from the beginning. I was like, I hope she makes it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, no. I mean, spoiler alert: she kind of saves the day. So. Yeah, she does. Yeah. No, she really. No, I mean, she does. <laughs> she it, does save it, the day. Saves the film and the uh, the characters within the film. Yeah, I um, no, I love a scene. She's like packing a backpack and she's like going through everything that could potentially be used as like a weapon, mm-hmm. um, and just like some of her expressions and stuff are are quite hilarious. The way she's just like drops the the bottle of alcohol into the backpack, like oh, I'll take that, thank you. Yeah. And um, so yeah, she's great. And then I think uh, you you probably were wondering what that song was, listeners, at the beginning. That uh, I think the catchiest song in the film is uh, Hollywood Ending, where the the characters kind of have a a cheeky meta commentary on their lives and how things don't end as they anticipated and so they sing the song about how life is not like a hollywood ending and is a really fun song and dance number in like the school cafeteria where everybody's jumping on the tables and dancing it's actually like you know for the how small of a film this is it's quite good in its choreography and and the song is a is an earworm i mean i'm still uh, hearing it in the back of my head since i've seen it um, but yeah, you know, I think that's the, the, the highlight of the, the soundtrack for sure. Yeah. And then they played at the end, which is obviously supposed to be on purpose, like on the other side of things, like, oh yeah, shit. Yeah, the prize. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I gotta say her, her weapon of, is pretty badass, Anna's. Uh, yeah, her, like, it's, candy. it's like <laughs> a sharpened steel cane from a Christmas tree shop. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's one of the best. And it's funny, you know, um, the reason I might have like remembered that scene, um, with uh, Sarah, Sarah's character mm-hmm. <laughs> scavenging as I've been playing The Last of Us a lot for the last couple days. So yeah. I'm, like, already in, like, the zombie frame of mind, thinking about, like, yes, I'd grab this. I'd, I, yeah, that would be something I would I would take, yes, because that's a big part of that game if you haven't played it is scavenging. But anyway, um, I, I, one of the things that I thought was a positive, uh, just because I don't want to feel like I'm completely just, like, Ooh, I don't know, let's, breaking let's hearts. Let's hear it. <laughs> well, it's just funny. I really have had a lot of people say, like, you have to see this. I love this movie. It's so amazing. And then I'm like, oh, no. Um, but, yeah, was, one of the things is I, I actually thought, like, it got very dramatic in, like, the final, I don't know, 
third act. Um, there was some actually, and not just in the third act, but there was some deaths and some sequences of people getting bit. And then like right after there's specifically like a couple or people, two people that realize like they are in love. Um, that I thought was actually really quite moving in a sense, like sad. And, and I thought that that dramatic element was done well, especially yeah. when the, you know, I mean, it's a movie that's obviously people are dying left to right, getting eaten. Um, and that's never really a happy time, uh, but they're also singing about it. So it's like, are they, you know, are they not happy yeah. about it? <laughs> no, but it just, it's like a reminder of like, sh- the shit sucks. And uh, yeah. I thought some of those sequences were done well. I think the, like the best, and this is like probably one of the clearer inspirations from Shaun of the Dead is where uh, Anna wakes up and goes to school after the apocalypse has happened overnight. Um, but it's not like Shaun of the Dead where there's that, Great tracking shot of him just being hung over and oblivious to the the wreckage around him. Uh, great shot. Instead, yeah, it's it, wonderful. Him slipping on the blood gets me every single time. Um, but yeah, it's her doing like this whole song and dance out of the house in the school, and like people are getting flattened by cars in the background, and there's an explosion and a fire, and people are being eaten up and chopped up. So it's it's uh, and it's like a very cheery song. Like I'm a, I'm gonna capture the day and. So, you know, that, that, I, I enjoyed that. But, no, um, I did too. I actually yeah. like that um, okay. kind of mix. I mean, that's kind of like horror comedy, you know, when it's at its best is, is things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't really have much to uh, say uh, about uh, Anne and the Apocalypse. I mean, if you're, if you're at all interested by the, uh, the premise, it's, on, it's just a quick, it's a breezy 93 minutes. Uh, if you enjoy it, I guess. If you don't enjoy it, it might be, feel longer to sit through. Um, but yeah, it's on Amazon Prime if you're interested. And Hulu. Uh, yeah, and and Hulu. Oh yeah, very good. It's good to have options. Um, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Very good. Well, uh, yeah. So um, that wraps up the films that uh, at least one of us has seen prior to this episode. Let's now go into uh, true blind spots with two films we neither of us have seen. Uh, Christy, do you want to do you want to take us through the, our first film? of the true blind spots portion of the program. I do. I do. Yes. Um, sorry. I'm that was excited. <laughs> I'm excited too. Cause it's a good one. It was my, it was my favorite watch of these. Um, so, yeah. and it's, it's funny just to point out that we did just record a round table with, uh, our many of our writers and, uh, this movie was thrown out and talked about a lot. So it's one that I've always wanted to watch. It's one I've been told to watch so many times, and I don't know how I hadn't. But it's The Shop Around the Corner, uh, the 1940 film um, mm-hmm. by uh, Ernst Lubitsch. I think I pronounced that right. Lubitsch. <laughs> I know it's Lubitsch. I just told you I'd mess it up. and uh, so uh, It was uh, entirely uh, on purpose. It was a prank, y'all. <laughs> Such a good one. Um, anyway, so this is, uh, Margaret Sullivan, James Stewart. Uh, it's a classic film. It's just, it's, um, in, in same sense of like Sleepless in Seattle, it's just so cozy. Like, it's so cozy. Um, yeah. but it's, you know, it centers around this, um, group of employees at, uh, this one store and basically the relationships within the, you know, between the employees, etc. I don't think, I mean, there's only like a couple scenes that don't take place in that store or directly outside it, which is really interesting, but, and always cool. But anyway, um, so if you've seen, you've got mail, by the way, this, this is the inspiration for that. There's so many connective things here and it's actually interesting having seen that movie, um, and then going back and seeing this one, uh, which was also based on a play, 
it was uh, interesting to see how many similarities there were, whereas You've Got Mail is obviously modern. <laughs> now it's not so much, but, you know, maybe it's time to do a third one, I think. But anyway, um, between Zoom calls. But they, the main characters, James Stewart and Margaret Sullivan, are writing letters to one another. He sees an ad. Um, I don't know if people still do these, but basically seeking, like, uh, communication with someone, and he starts writing her and... You know, they basically find love just from letters. Well, you know, I mean, it's not like crazy to uh, spoil this, but it turns out um, it's actually a new employee at the shop, um, played by Margaret Sullivan, who is mm-hmm. the person that he's been corresponding with. And they kind of get on each other's nerves and have been working together for like six months before he even figures this out. And they're just like always like getting under each other's skin. And it makes for some terrific conversations and quips and uh yeah some really lovely moments so that's the basic plot yeah. i think i think i got yeah. that yeah now this is actually the first um ernst lubitsch film uh, i've ever seen um and i've you know I've, I've i've heard a lot of great things about him and his work and uh a lo- this movie i've i like you i've always heard about it I knew the title. I knew who was in it. I've just never gotten around to see it. So I think that's that's why we can celebrate this podcast because it allows us to finally see the things that uh, we should see. Exactly. Um, yeah, this this film is wonderful. Um, maybe my new uh, Jimmy Stewart Christmas movie, favorite Christmas movie. Uh, if I think so, if I could be sacrilege so. for a minute. You know, it's uh, uh, it's a wonderful life. Is great. Don't get me wrong, but. Um, but like, from my understanding, Lubitsch, uh, a characteristic in many of his films is that he's just kind of got away with rapid fire dialogue. And, and that's just kind of very evident almost immediately here where, uh, we have, uh, Pepe, who's kind of like the little, um, I, I guess, I, well, I, what is his title? He's like a grocer boy. He's Aaron something. boy. Aaron, Aaron boy. boy. Yeah. He <laughs> he's basically helps out the shop. He's he's fan, he like steals the show for me, especially when he kind of muscles his way in as the uh, as like the assistant manager by the end of the film, just with his rapid fire speech and, and way of handling situations. I, I mean, the cast is uniformly great. Um, and but yeah, I was I got, I had an understanding of the film, like you know, it's it's a correspondence uh, between two people who, on the surface, as they know each other. They don't like each other, but deep down they have strong feelings about each other. And like a couple surprises for me is that uh, when the movie begins, the correspondence has already been taking place for some time. Uh, it's not like Jimmy Stewart up and decides in the movie to do this. Uh, you know, he's he's already been speaking with this woman who, of course, we find out is Margaret Sullivan. Um, and then not only that, but also the actual romance is only about like half of the film and a lot of it actually concerns itself with the inner workings of the shop, the titular shop around the corner and the, uh, their boss, Mr. Uh, Machacek or uh, however that name is pronounced because he's also convinced that um, somebody in his uh, business is having an affair with his wife. So there's this subplot with him investigating that and he's, he's making his employees work late on the holidays um, so, but yeah, it's, uh, it is, like you said, primarily in, in one, uh, setting. Um, if, if not there, it's out on the street or just in like the little coffee shop across the way. But, um, one scene, uh, sequence I love early on is that they find this, uh, cigar box 
that uh, plays this uh, Ochicharnia song every time they open it. And they think that uh, if a man smokes 20 cigars that he can fit in the box in a day, then that might become irritating to listen to. And then Margaret Sullivan, who's not an employee with the store, she comes in and sells the box immediately with this great sales pitch about how if you put candy in the box and you heard that song every time you went for a piece of candy, it would like be a way to like watch your weight, which is like such a like a terrific Mad Men sales pitch. Yeah, uh, I don't know if, if you've ever seen Mad Men before, but that oh, I yeah. I just like yeah it, I I just and that I she like, is immediately like hired on the spot. Um, one, and one thing I love about that sequence is when she's showing it to this customer who comes in. Uh, she opens the box and it plays Ochichonia, and the customer says, "Well, I can't imagine listening to that song 20 times a day when I want some candy." And then it cuts to like Jimmy Stewart overhears this, and he's got like the most maniacal smile on his face because the customer made the same point he made earlier. It's like the most yes. devilishly happy I've ever seen. Jimmy he's so Stewart. satisfied in that moment. It's <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's. I mean, that's that's basically the the movie is just going to be Christy and I summing up all the wonderful things about it. Um, I, I, uh, your, your turn. What did you love about the shop around the corner? And I, I love that sequence too. Um, and it, it makes me laugh, uh, how he's telling his boss, like the reason why no one's going to buy this. And mm-hmm. it's very like, legitimate reason. Um, just hearing it the amount of times I heard it in the movie, I would not want that box. Uh, except now I would just because it'd be cool to have it on my shelf and say, Hey, look, it's the box. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh but she does she pulls the classic uh you know awesome saleswoman kind of like swoops in and and like you know gets that job and when she's told that she is not going to get a job um and they're not hiring and it's it's a it's a terrific scene and there's so many of those between this very close knit group of workers it's like their own little family kind of going yeah. on in the store um and yeah you know Jimmy, he, he had already started it, but he's telling one of his coworkers who seems like he might be like his closest friend in, in the store as well, yeah. um, about it. And that's kind of like telling the audience about it as well. And, uh, they're just so charming, the two of them together. And they're, they're a little, you know, I mean, they can be pretty mean, <laughs> you know, they, um, a couple of times, especially in one scene, um, they, Oops. They don't mind insulting each other at all. And so, of course, it's, uh, it's really cute when everything comes together and it's, you know, just like you've got mail, if you've seen that and hadn't seen this, um, a similar thing is that he discovers it before she does. And then he kind of, kind of, you know, teases her and plays with her a little bit. Um, you know, knowing that she's the one he's been writing and fallen in love with and that she mm-hmm. can't stand him. He kind of, you know, I don't want to say manipulates the situation, but he, it kind of does. Um, but he definitely, like, starts looking at her differently but also just starts kind of uh he's he lies a couple times to get a reaction and and stuff like that so but one of the things i i i think i just love the most really is the are, are the performances specifically between them and yeah. you know for the most part it is a very like lighthearted movie but there are some some dark stuff especially like with the boss uh the owner of the store when he finds out his wife has uh been unfaithful uh, I was like, oh, I'll get dark really quick. Um, he tries to like commit suicide, but it was, uh, yeah, he almost blows his brains does. out in the store. Yeah. Yeah. Good old pep, peppy, um, stops him, but yeah, yeah, it, I was like, whoa, but, uh, otherwise, I mean, it's really one of those movies too. That's just like, it's, 
it's just so cozy. I don't know how else to say. It. I feel like I keep using that word, but I feel like it's the best word to uh, well, I think yeah, I think the the best films we probably watched for this uh podcast are the the ones that are uh, that that give you that cozy feeling just like the the holidays do. So I think right. uh they and they emulate that well and um yeah, and and you know this film it's uh there's, you know, they, they're very, like, their conversations with the two leads, they're, you know, they're very barbed, and they, like, they kind of throw sand at each other, but you get the sense that deep down there's, like, some genuine ache that they, they just don't want to be lonely, and they particularly don't want to be lonely on the holidays, and I don't want to quite give away the ending, but there's this, like, very uh, beautiful reveal regarding uh, may, Jimmy Stewart may or may not having bow legs, which is just so <laughs> wonderfully charming. Um, so random. But, yeah, it's it's random, but it's like a great like penultimate shot in the film too. Like um, making sure uh, he doesn't. Yeah. yeah, checking out his exactly. Leg. Exactly. Just gotta, I needed yeah, to you know. Just gotta, I'm, just, I'm glad that know. they. I'm glad that they gave that to us. I really wanted to know. That's. <laughs> it's, yeah, that's true. So, you know, you get to look at uh, some Stuart Gams, of course. But, yeah, um, I I had actually never seen, uh, just you mentioned it a couple times, I've actually never seen uh, You Got Mail. Um, I don't know if, oh uh, my. If, if that makes it fodder for a future episode or uh, or if it's undone because I know this movie now. But, I don't think um, so. I don't think it's undone yeah. at all. I think that there's enough to it. Plus, like I said, it's, you know, for the time, modern email. but true, and And yeah. it changes up enough. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, maybe that'll be like a, a February consideration. Okay. You know, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, what's awesome too is this movie like ends on Christmas Eve, so it's like perfect uh, holiday, and, and plus like so much of it is them getting prepped for the holidays and like decoration yeah. and stuff. So and and just like you said, tree. yeah, like any holiday movie, this is cozy in a sense that you know you want to keep watching it. Like I'm, this is officially added to the rewatch yearly list and that's that's what you're looking for at the end of a year especially at the end of a year like this one is to watch something that just makes you feel good and and uh you know what what more than this and i also did want to point out that um you know with some classic films or some older films rather not classic necessarily but just some older films sometimes the dialogue i mean there is like more of a rapid like pace of dialogue like it's just like a common thing in, in films um uh, from certain eras but like Sometimes it doesn't feel as organic, but there's something about the way that they communicate in this. And and it's, I think it's a big part, writing, but also the performances. I always felt yeah. like everything that was said felt just, you know, genuine and, and felt organic and um, made it even easier to kind of follow their journey. Yeah, uh, that that's a great point. And I again, that's like my understanding of Lubitsch is that he's just has a way with dialogue in this, especially of the era where sound equipment uh, is so sensitive with picking up like speech. You have to sort of enunciate things like loudly and clearly, but it, it, it can come off as, as like canned and hammy if you know you're just delivering it. So that's picked up and not where it has any feel behind it. But yeah, right off the bat, uh, like you said, the, like we kind of get this glimpse into the inner working of the characters lives because they all, show up to work and there's about like six coworkers and they all have their different, different personalities and they're just waiting around the store and we're already like invested in their lives because, just because of how they talk to each other and how, how they treat each other and how, what we learn about them. Um, yeah, so I, I just, yeah, it's, it just, there's a, just a real knack to it that is, uh, that was very nice to, nice to see. And so, yeah, not only is this 
going to be in the uh, the rewatch pile for the holidays, but also I should probably check out some more films from Ernst Lubitsch because uh, yes. I love it. Yes, Lubitsch. And I've only, the only other film I had seen of his uh, was uh, Ninochka. Ninochka, I guess, yeah. depending on how you pronounce it. Um, and that was because I was in a play. I did that in, a, in school, but um, also because I wanted to watch it, and my parents love it. So this was one that my mom loved, this movie, Ninochka. I mean, actually, probably I've seen, I think maybe I saw some of Heaven Can Wait, too. But, um, yeah, it's definitely always, I mean, some of things like that we talk about or directors or stars, et cetera, from these blind spots bring me yeah. to other blind spots that I have not seen right. or, you know revisit the uh, long list of movies I need to watch that literally rolls down my street because it's just so long and it's yeah. always growing. There is one, I think it's called the, um, uh, oh, it's the love parade is a, a musical of his that I've been meaning to see um, for some time. So maybe I'll get to that sooner rather than later. But yeah, um, yeah that's a, uh, that was, did you have anything else you wanted to add to, uh, to the, uh, the shop around the corner? No, I just loved it. I was just um really happy to uh to watch that. It was it was a yeah. joy. Ah, all right. Excellent. Well, yeah, let's move on to then to our final film of the evening. Um this was uh our second uh true blind spot. Uh that's the term now. I don't know if you know that if, if neither of us have seen it, it's a, a true blind spot. But um so for our fourth and final film, uh we watched uh uh Arnaud Desplechin 2008 film, A Christmas Tale. Uh, apologies if I'm getting that director's name wrong. Um, but uh, this is a film that uh, maybe does not have that warm and fuzzy feeling at first. Uh, it's kind of a film that you more associate with, uh, well, let's just say, uh, if you think your family's bad around the holidays, uh, wait till you take a look at the uh, the Vuillard family. <laughs> Get a load um, of these so, guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So the uh yeah so this family um of course set around the holidays uh the 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 matriarch is the great uh Catherine Deneuve uh she plays Junon the she's uh has her husband is Abel who's a very uh he's he, you know he's very he's a very gentle and kind guy but he's he kind of has the uh he kind of comes across as like a pushover at least to her she's definitely the one wearing the pants in the the relationship and he, she's renowned for having a strict upbringing in her family. Um, so then we quickly learn that uh, Junon has uh, had four children in her life. Uh, the eldest was a boy named Joseph uh, who had cancer when he was young, and he actually died when he was six years old because uh, his other three siblings uh, did not have any compatible uh, bone marrow that they could uh, transfer to him when they were born. So then the film was about... The other three siblings uh, coming home to Christmas, uh, and they've all been sort of estranged from each other for the last seven years uh, due to legal battles and other personal issues. Uh, so there's the daughter, Elizabeth. Uh, she has a 16-year-old son named Paul, uh, who has recently been released from a mental hospital because he had a nervous breakdown. Um, and uh, then there's uh, the middle child is uh, Matthew Amaric, who you may know as the uh, the villain from... Uh, Quantum of Solace, he's also the lead in The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. He plays Henri, and he's sort of the, the black sheep of the family. Um, he's he, he's basically actually been outcast from the family over the last uh, six or seven years because he had a, 
he had a business deal go south where a, uh, a play um, house that he had purchased uh, he owed money to. And so his older sister, Elizabeth, uh, offered to clear him of his debt on the grounds that he do not visit the family ever again. And then uh, the third child is uh, a man named Yvonne. Uh, he's married to a, uh, a woman named Sylvia, and they have twin boys together. Um, he's kind of, uh, kind of, I guess, more, I don't know, uh, he's kind of more f- f- free spirit than his, uh, his two siblings. Like, he's, he's kind of, you know, smoking and drinking on the sly. He's also really close with uh, their cousin, Simon, who grew up with the family because his parents died uh, very young. Um, and uh, those are the, the core players. Um, we should also mention that uh, Henri has brought a uh, girlfriend to the, uh, the Christmas festivities. Uh, her name is Faunia. Um, I, was, I was taking extensive notes while I was watching this. I don't know if you can tell. Um, but <laughs> I was just going to say, if you can't keep track of all the things that he just said, it's okay. You're not the only one. No, there's just a lot of family. <laughs> yeah, there's a, lot, there's a lot of family. There's a lot of uh, the level of relationships uh, that they get to. Um, mm-hmm. there's exactly. a, well, everybody's got different. Like you could, you could basically make put Junon at the center of this. Uh, uh, I, I don't know what kind of a chart it would be, but you could like basically branch it off with her relationships with other characters, and then you can connect those lines with other issues that they're having. Um, so uh, the the main drive, now that all the characters are in place, is that Junon actually now has uh, leukemia, and she needs uh, a bone marrow transplant to have any chance of survival. And even if she does survive, uh, the doctors estimate that she would only have a couple more years to add on to her lifespan. And uh, everybody in the family takes a blood test, and then it's uh, determined that Paul, the teenager who just got out of the mental institution, he is a compatible donor. And uh, uh, Henri, the the black sheep, middle child, he's also uh, compatible, but he kind of is scorning his mother and is not sure if he wants to go through with the donation. Um, But, yeah, so... uh, Let me... I mean, so, yeah, that's that's what the film is about. Uh, Now... My thoughts on the film, uh, I thought that this was uh, excellent. Um, I thought this has a very, this is like the performances are uniformly strong all around. Uh, it's uh, it's very beautifully told, but also there's some light touches to it. Um, but it's just also got this kind of warm, naturalistic flavor. Uh, what did you think of A Christmas Tale, Christy? Yeah, I also loved it. Um I enjoyed it a lot, and I, you know, I always try to go into some of these movies. Uh, well, I try to always go into these movies without really reading much about them, so I yeah, didn't same. expect it to be dealing with so many, um, like, kind of dark issues. Because, um, you know, even if she gets a donor, it she isn't necessarily guaranteed that she can, it, she might reject it. And That's I think they true. even said that she could, like, potentially die receiving it. So it's, like, all around... Um, just not good and yeah there are a lot of really great comedic moments throughout even though we're dealing with like a super eccentric family Mm -hmm. um very very much um and all of them are terrific in the film and i think that like humor especially in the uh with uh the main the mom and dad um I, i love some of their exchanges and humor despite you know obviously going through one of the hardest things uh, say for losing their son right. that they could go through. Um, but yeah, and, and it's kind of, you know, the holidays is, and her diagnosis and everything is the reason and excuse for them all to get together. And as most people 
know or have personal experience with when you get a household of people that have history and they have a lot of history. Um, things don't always go terrific, but it's, right. it's a really, it's still very charming, you know, it, it really is. And it's also really interesting. Some of the like aesthetic and some of the choices that the, it are made throughout the movie, like, mm-hmm. like kind of jumping back and forth with flashbacks occasionally, you know, like uh freeze frames and some, um, like even some of the music's kind of interesting, but also like there's, I, I don't know how you'd like call it, but it's like, uh, it's almost like half, like it's in a circle, like someone's looking through almost like a peephole type of visual. I can't think of the yeah, name the, of that. The, the, I, the iris closes in on a, on a few shots. Yes. That's, that's what you're referring to. Yes, it yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just, I don't know. I thought that those little flourishes were something that stood out as well. Um, and, I think that, you know, there's a lot of layers to this film. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a holiday movie. I think not all holiday movies are always happy. I mean, I, I can think of plenty that have eccentric families that are going through difficult things. But yeah. I, I think this one just stands out to me beyond something like, let's say, The Family Stone. And sorry if there's, like, people out there that love The Family Stone. Um, I don't know if you've seen <laughs> I was going to say you haven't seen it, have you? Um Anyway, the matriarch, Diane Keaton's dying, the family gets together, and it, there's some, you know, eccentricness and stuff, but they're all very unlikable. And that's not to say that there isn't characteristics about these characters that, um, you know, wouldn't make them unlikable, but for some reason you feel for all of them anyway. Um, and it's so, it's just different. And my, my point yeah. is that it excels in all of those different things, and it does build layers to a point where you're invested and, um, you just, it's, it's a terrific film. And I don't know if it's like a rewatchable holiday movie in the same vein as the others, maybe like a f- every few year one. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, we should say, yeah, it's, it's like, there's a dense inner interconnecting of characters. And I actually like got some clarification on a few things just by reading the, the Wikipedia plot synopsis that I had missed. Um, but this movie also runs uh, two and a half hours long, so it is. Yes. It is not a not a. It is not the like the light, warm break blanket sit that Sleepless in Seattle is. This is. No, it's uh, a heavy blanket. A, a, no, <laughs> this is a this is a weighted blanket in a dark room. Um, but uh, there's Just a maybe flickering one candle is, in the is corner. a flickering candle, and and maybe like you can kind of see the bulbs of the Christmas lights peeking through the window from the outside. Um, right. Not inside. Yeah. No, yeah. So. So yeah, so you meant yeah you mentioned the family. I've never seen the Family Stone, but yeah, you you mentioned that was similar. And then one um, thing I was really uh, first, let me say that yeah, you mentioned a lot of the stylistic touches. And uh, I mean, if you thought the that my description of all the characters was uh, crazy, uh, I think this film kind of knows that it is because the opening credits, uh, or well, they're not really credits, but. There's like a there's a, a prologue where they're at the funeral of the eldest son who passes mm-hmm. away, and then we go into uh, this like very nicely little animated uh, sequence that basically lays out all the family members for you. Yes, that's uh, another because, yeah. stylistic choice that I loved. Yeah, and it's like it's great because it's like it's like little um it's it's just like kind of little stick figures that are animated in a way that they look like shadow puppets it's really hard to describe but it's it is like a very nifty little sequence it's it's beautifully rendered and it also has a great dual purpose of saying listen this we're we're gonna go through two and a half hours with these people here's who you need to know and how they're related and why 
And then um, also looking at the uh, the title of the film, uh, A Christmas Tale, and regarding one of the characters uh, whose name is uh, Joseph, uh, the character, the son that we never see because he passes away. Um, I You could say that he's like the ghost of Jacob Marley and that this is just a take on A Christmas Carol because even though we never see anything supernatural like a specter in this film, uh, the literal ghost of the or the figurative ghost of this uh, the deceased eldest son kind of hangs over the balance of the family and their the relationship with each other is is sort of been predetermined by their inability to save their older brother uh, when they were born. Um, so it's 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 a very it's a very interesting I I, I mean just I I could be completely wrong in interpreting that but I I think uh, I, I think it's it's just a very interesting. Um, take on another uh a christmas classic what yeah do you, what are you, any thoughts on that i mean i could i could kind of there's definitely um there's no ghost that you actually visibly see but yeah i could see i could see the connection to that and i think the son dying and then her getting it because i believe they both get leukemia yeah. um i'm not sure if it's the exact same kind like kind etc but it's almost like you know bookends in a sense of what right. first um you know obviously put their family through something horrific and, and potentially uh, splintered everything. And then from that to the matriarch getting, uh, you know, another disease. And also, by the way, they tried to find donors for him, the young uh, boy that died, the right. son, and, and it didn't work. They even tried, which I didn't even know you could do, um, pulling it from like her, like a fetus that she was like a baby that she was like, I don't like, know how that works. Like, they even say that one of the children was, I think it was Henri, the, the, who becomes the middle child. He was just sort of born, not be, out of passion, but just sort of as a, as a need to produce a child. Right. Uh, so that they can get, yeah, they, they can get extract from his, uh, from, from his placenta. Yeah, because they, and, like, test him within, while he's still in her, is my point, or something. Yeah. Uh, which I didn't know they exactly. could even do. And that... And that's kind of why he doesn't really feel that love that yeah. he, as an adult, because he, you know, he was not made out of love. He was he's he was just a very practical child who was developed and was found to be useless because he could not perform the one task he was he was conceived to do. Yeah, that uh, could basically. psychologically, uh, you know, hurt somebody. Exactly. But, um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a little bit. But yeah. Um, so that kind of beginning is, you know, with this tragedy and everything mm-hmm. that came around it and everything, I think is what splinters the family. And then, of course, um, when she has it, it's what brings the family back together. So yeah. it's in, in that way, I think it's a, a really beautiful kind of mode of storytelling. But it's a very, you know, dark. I mean, there's a lot of really sad shit in this in this movie. And obviously, as right. we just stated, I mean, there's a lot of trauma that these um, the family members have been through and, and different things between uh not only the siblings or with their parents but also with the cousin and uh a romantic partner um mm-hmm. there's just all kinds of webs yeah he's <laughs> you know? yeah he's got the cousin has got a, a he he's he's uh also he was close with uh, Henri and Yvonne the other brother and they all loved uh Sylvia who becomes uh Yvonne's wife um but it's you know it's discovered that Simon the cousin actually or Simone uh, actually loved her the most, but um, they did not end up being together. And even that, like plotline, kind of has a very uh, bizarre ending. Um, yes, because very because just 
just just like not just what they do, but like the uh, Yvonne's reaction to it. The reaction uh, is is yeah, it's yeah, it's it's he's like, just like right. uh, you, you you kids and again yeah he's he's kind of the more free freewheeling brother and he's like after after the eldest son dies he's born and I guess he just kind of grew up you know his parents were in, in grieving but he just kind of you know he he's the kind of guy who just rolls with the punches of life and uh, it doesn't really. He doesn't really. He has a really a give no fuck attitude. He's also yeah. a good DJ too that we uh, that we see. Um, he yeah. definitely rolls with the punches. Yes. Yeah. Um, in, in that scene, but yeah, yeah. There, there's, there's also uh, uh, like like a hinted um, incest subplot which I did yeah. not get while I watched with uh, with Henri and his older sister, and it's hinted that uh, her son could actually be her brother is the father. Um, and, and they actually spend time, uh, like really bonding, not just because they're potential father and son, but they're like the two, like most damaged people in the household. And they're also the only two who are compatible donors. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, fortunately they're discovered to not be, uh, related, uh, that way. Uh, and, uh, and the, they're the kind of the bond that forms between them is, is very nice to watch. But, it is, um, yeah. We'll yeah. just disregard the fact that there must have been a reason they thought that could be possible. But anyway, right. um, yeah, yeah, no, it's it's just one of those other kind of storylines in it that's like uh, just dark, but also just, I don't know, in so many of the choices in this film, like I say the eccentric family, but I think in a sense it's just the eccentric movie um, and a lot of the plots because everything is kind of like a lot of it is kind of bizarre, even though it all works very well. Uh, whether that be the choice to do the stick figure animation in the beginning or, um, have that like little curveball of, you know, potential incest or the response, um, you know, with, uh, Avon. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just, just little, little things like that, but it, it really still is like a very, um, it, it, it still is kind of heartwarming because I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you can't choose your family as people always say. And, um, right. there, there can be a lot of conflicts and, holidays are the one time that most people try to, you know, put those things aside. And, and that's always like a hopeful message. Um, and if, if these guys can do it, come on, you know, that's true. <laughs> I, I, I do want to give a special mention to, um, probably my favorite character in the film is actually Henri's girlfriend, uh, Faunia, uh, who he like kind of says to her, like, I don't think you'll last three hours with my family, but she kind of becomes like a, a calm, centering figure for a lot of them and and uh people really take a liking to her so she and she's just got like a great like a few great little moments on her own too yes uh, i agree yeah i 100 yeah but uh yeah that's uh i mean yeah that's uh there's there's still a lot of movie to go through but i think we can we can probably leave it at that as far as recommendations yeah. go um i'm yeah i'm pleased to find out that the two films we had not seen uh turned out to be winners yeah, it's awesome. I, you know, we were taking a chance in that one, but, um, with yeah. both of them, I mean, with, with doing the, uh, blindfolded, <laughs> the true blind spots as we're coining it, but I think it worked out. We might have to do that again sometime, uh, especially if we're having challenging, uh, times, if it's like a specific theme. And I also love that it, just the random connective tissue of like Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks, and then the movie that inspired a Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks. Um, That's true. just kind yeah. of randomly occurring. A lot of these movies deal with the with with dead parents or dead children. So yeah, there's a lot of a lot of a lot of nice little overlap that we have here. Yeah, some of those uh, happier than others. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't mean to bring it down at the end there, but uh, oh well, such is the life. 
Um, yes. But yeah, I think uh, I think that about uh, that does it for this episode. Um, Christy, is there anything that uh, you'd like to do? You want to plug your social media at all, or anything you'd like to say to the people? To the people. Yeah. To yes. the li- Our devoted listeners, we thank you yes. all, and uh, if you're new to the program, welcome. We hope you enjoyed. Yeah, and you know, come back, please. Um, but yeah, to the people, um, I. My uh, my Twitter is at Strauss, S-T-R-U-S-E, underscore Christy, K-R-I-S-T-Y, also at Film Inquiry, which you can also go to our site, filminquiry.com, and uh, Instagram is at Christy on Film. But yeah, I just, uh, I had a really good time, the exception of that one movie, um, with these <laughs> watching, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm being harder, I'm just, it's all for jokes. Guys, I no, I really didn't like that movie. But um, anyway, I really loved this this like lineup. I was really quite impressed, and especially because this is a genre or you sub. I don't know if you want to call it just holiday being a genre, Christmas being a genre. But there's so many of them, and there's some networks and places, you know, um, that just pump these out like so many of these like yearly that are just bad, you know. And to find yeah. four movies that center around holidays or have that feeling and are all very different. Um, that's kind of rare. So I, I just think it was a really good pick of four and it worked out even better than I could have expected. And going into two of these without knowing, you know, one of us vouching for it was, was a, taking a chance and it's awesome that it paid off. Like anytime you get to check some movies off of your list and you really, really enjoy them, it's a great feeling. So, you know, this is a, the, uh, blind spots, Mary edition because uh and Mary by M E R R Y, not some random woman named Mary. Um, because it just was it was uh very joyful. <laughs> I'm yeah. trying to find catchy things. Well, that-, that was a that was well that was a very that was a very lovely send off there. Um, I I could not have said it better myself. This was a very much yeah this was a very pleasant experience. Um, and uh, yeah I hope you all out there are. Uh, Having happy holidays yourselves. I know this has been an atypical year for everyone, but um, yes. we, you know we we hope we hope you survive and and pull through. And uh, yeah, we hope you keep listening to the show. And uh, yeah, that's that was uh, that was Christy there saying all those wonderful things. Uh, I've been uh, Jake Tropila. If you want, you can find me on all social media as at Jake Tropila, uh, T R O P I L A. Uh, hit us up with your favorite uh, holiday recs. Um, maybe, uh, maybe we we got to see if uh, our listeners can stump us now that we've introduced true blind spots and uh, <laughs> have them select a film that uh, maybe neither of us have seen. And who knows? Maybe we'll do a special guest watch episode where we watch films that are recommended to us. I don't know. I, I'm just sort of spitballing ideas. I love it. I yeah. love that idea. I want I, that to happen. Yeah. So it's a resolution. Yeah. That's that's exactly it. Well, that that'll be our uh, new resolution. Uh, yeah, yeah, I I got you. I got you. Uh, Mary, M E R R Y. Um, yeah. So <laughs> that was uh that's been it for our episode of Blind Spots. Uh, please, we hope you uh, continue enjoying the show. Please uh, rate, review, subscribe, all that uh, good five star jazz. And uh, we will be seeing you next time. Yeah, everyone, stay uh, healthy, happy, and have a great holiday season. Catch you on the new year. 2021. Right.